0: Greetings dear friends, welcome to Alatra TV India. Today we are living in a very unique and special time when we have this chance and opportunity to change the vector of our society from the consumer oriented to the creative one. But how can we actually do it? Only by uniting. When we are all united as a one family, and when we are united by one goal to build the creative society, to change the format of our society and to build the world worthy of humanity. Then we can overcome any difficulties and any adversities that, can, that we can come across. So let's find out from our guests how they envision the creative society, the beautiful world where, where every person lives comfortably and happily in all spheres of life. And I'm hosting today our broadcast with a very beautiful lady, Simon Nagy, welcome.
1: Thank you, Tanya. Uh, hello, everyone. So now we would like to introduce our special guest, Tasneem and Hussain, Hussain Dohadwala. Tasneem is a middle school coordinator at Fazlani La Academy Global. Hussain is IB Inspector, CDSC Cambridge, and IB Curriculum Designer, Academic Director at Fazlani La Academy Global. Welcome to our live conversation. So, since uh, this conversation is dominated by three females, let's start from mm-hmm. the male member. So, Hussein, yeah. we would like to know from you, since both of you are in the field of education, changing and impact, impacting lives every day, did you always want to be an educationist? And, uh, Tasneem, after Hussein, we would like to know your perspective also for the same.
2: Thank you. Thank you, uh, Seema, and thank you, Tanya. And it's really a pleasure to be here. So, you know, coming back to the question, I think uh, it was never the idea of, uh, you know, getting into education. Uh, I always wanted to get into banking. Uh, I actually did my undergrad studies, my postgrad. Everything was aligned getting into that vertical. And I think after I worked for a couple of years, I realized this is not what I see myself doing. Uh, I don't know whether it was a calling or, you know, something else. But uh, uh, my mom was a teacher herself and she Mm -hmm. also then became a head of school. So we used to have a lot of conversations at home about, you know, the changing scenario in the education vertical. International education was really coming into the country at that point in time. And this is I'm talking about the uh, towards the, uh, you know, early 2000s. And that's where, uh, you know, that sparked an interest in me that, you know, why can't I be part of this revolution And, you know, this internationalization of education, because that, uh, you know, when I used to hear my mom talking and how it can really transform, you know, the way children think the way they apply themselves. So I could just reflect back that these are things which I actually did very late in my career. When I was young, it was very, very uh, textbook oriented. And that's where I got into my journey uh, in 2006. And uh, here we are today. I'm sitting with some great educators, you know, just sharing my journey and my thoughts. So that's, you know, how it has been. It was never, uh, you know, this path was never something uh, that I intended to follow. But probably, I think, uh, you know, as they say, the almighty knows the best. And I think somewhere he led me towards this path. I actually did my educational degree two to three mm-hmm. years after I got into this space. I did my bachelor's, I did my master's, uh, just so that, you know, I had qualifications also to lead a program and to get into the classroom. And today, when I just look back, I don't think I could have done anything else. Uh, online, as everybody says, is challenging, yes. But I think it's just allowed me as an educator to innovate. You know, there are very few careers where every day you can go into something expecting there is going to be something new, a a question from a kid, you know, a a certain activity you do every day, there's a new experience. So in in that sense, you know, I think we are like actors, right? An actor goes into a new set every day, not sure what is going to happen. It's the same thing with educators. You go into a classroom, you're not really sure how teaching and learning is going to happen, how student inquiry is going to go in a certain way. And I think that's the great part of it. And that's something which I really enjoy. Thank you. So
1: that's really wonderful, Hussein. Tasneem, your perspective, please.
3: Uh, good evening, everyone. So happy to be here and sharing this platform with all of you, and especially uh, Hussein, because I think we've never been together on the same platform like this. We worked together, but you know, doing a webinar like this, it's 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 different, you know. So talking a little bit about me, um, you know, when I was in school, I always admired my teachers. I looked up to them. They were my role models after my parents, um, and there were these two teachers who. Act- changed my life. They motivated me, guided me. They were there for me at a time when I really needed somebody. And I always told myself, I am going to be a teacher and uh, then we went to college and you know, your friends got into different streams you just followed with them and I wanted to do something with travel and tourism or maybe the hospitality industry and um, idly really wanted to fly become you know an air hostess. I did my IATA also and then when I got engaged to Hussain um, my mother-in-law was like nothing doing we are all into the field of education we're educators you have to take this forward and be with us you know education is the way forward and I said, yes, fine, let's do it. I think that was the calling for me. So I also did my bachelor's, my master's. And today when I see myself, um, I don't know why. I just wanted to do you know something else apart from education because I think I was just born for this. And I proudly say that. So I'm very passionate and I just love my children. So I'm very happy. And if, if you ever ask me that, uh, is there any other alternative career? I don't think I have one. I just want to be in education. You just get me anywhere, any school. I just want to be with children. So yeah, that's, that's the way it was for me.
1: So that's beautiful. Both of you uh, actually are very, very passionate about what you are doing. Maybe it was not your calling initially, but later on it became a part of your life. So Hussein, I would further like to ask from you, uh, what motivates you and inspires you uh, in your work also and in your personal life also?
2: Uh, so I think what uh, motivates me, so I teach the older children. So I think one thing which I and Tasneem were very, very clear about from day one, because, you know, as I'm sure everyone has heard, both of us are in the same school. Uh, I look after more the older students and, you know, senior school, that's classes 9 to 12. Uh, so I think uh, one factor that really drives me is my children. Uh, and, uh, you know, I tell them, so I had this student called Somia, and I still remember, Uh, In fact, on his graduation, I say that, thank you, Soumya, you've actually made me a better teacher. So I think, you know, uh, children have that power, you know, to extract the best from you. So the way we can extract the best from kids, I think it works the other way around also. So there have been so many kids in my 15, 16 year journey who have really impacted me, who motivated me to do better uh, because I knew these kids had so much potential. They just needed the right kind of platform and just someone to mentor them, to guide them. So that, you know, they could really achieve their full potential. So I think it's kids. Uh, If I look at personally, I think my mom and Tasneem, both of them really motivate me in my personal life, uh, just in terms of, you know, whatever they've achieved. Uh, So my mom is someone who brought IB or international education into India. And when she started, there was one school and when she left, uh, it was more than 100 schools. And, you know, today everyone talks about international uh, or even the national education policy, bringing in elements of international education into our classrooms. So I think a lot of credit goes to her for, you know, just the groundwork that was laid. And second is my beautiful wife, Tasneem, Uh, you know, because obviously we're married. I have to ensure that, you know, I say some good words also for her. But uh, Tasneem is also someone because, you know, even in online, I've seen the way she manages, uh, you know, my little one who's seven years old and she's managing her work. I think that balance is is absolutely brilliant. So she's also someone who really motivates me. I see her sometimes late in the evening after my little one is put to bed. She's working on either checking a planner or, you know, creating something. Or sometimes, uh, you know, kids her some query and she's, you know, trying to give them the best response. So I think Tasneem is 24-7, you know, a lot of kids also call her that that you send her an email at any time of the day or the night, she will respond to you within probably 10-15 minutes. And I think that's somewhere rubbed off on me also. So I've also become like, you know, so we are a 24-7 couple when it comes to education.
1: That was very well put up 24 seven couple for education, because education, as we know, has the power to change anybody's destiny. And Hussain, it was so beautiful when you express gratitude towards the child who has made you the best teacher. So Tasneem, what inspires you and what motivates you for your work?
3: Um, Firstly, thank you, Hussein. That was absolutely overwhelming and much appreciate that. Uh, The feeling is mutual. I'm sure you know that as well. I don't need to say that again, but yes. Uh, So uh, because we both are into the field of education and dealing in and out with children, our answers are slightly similar. But yes, to sum it up, for me also, it is my students. Because I remember the first day when I actually entered my classroom as a teacher, I was teaching and I was given the opportunity to go and take a class. I was trembling, and one child came up to him and said, "Miss, it's okay. Um, we, I prom- we promise we will not uh, do anything wrong. You know, we will not make fun, or we will not do anything. We we'll make you comfortable." An eight and nine year old telling me that. I think um, that was uh, something which was. I think the best part of my whole career because when they made me comfortable, I learned with them as Hussain said, I learned with them whether it was technologies. I'm again talking 14 years ago, 15 years ago when they taught me things, I taught them things. It was a collaboration. I never took them as my students we were more friends in the classroom and today when those students come back to me and say miss because of you I did something or you pushed me and motivated me thank you thank you for believing in me I think that's the biggest motivating factor for me that I was able to make a difference in that one child's life at least and that's my goal which keeps me going you know because they're so selfless their love is I mean, there is there's nothing to it. There, there is you can't say because for you know this particular reason, it's absolutely selfless. So that keeps me going and motivated. And when I took up my personal front, of course, um, uh, Hussein is one person we definitely I definitely look up to. But apart from that, it's my little one. I would want to mention that today, my seven-year-old. I think he motivates me to another level if i don't know something i am stuck he just holds my hand and says mom it'll be fine let's do it together can i help you would you want some water you know those are small small things which so just keep me going that yes there's no way to give up if he's not going to give up why should i and especially when i have to teach him concepts in math i'm not very good with math i've never liked the subject but not that i'm not good but i don't like the subject but but he'll tell me we'll do it we'll manage don't worry that keeps me going. And you know, it's quest for knowledge. He wants to learn more. He wants to know more. I think that's, uh, and I have to also mention one more thing, sorry, but my mother-in-law today, what I am is because of her when it comes to education and I have to give her this credit. If I can become 10% of what she is today, I think I am sorted. I am, I'm going to feel grateful for that. So the the, the hat she wears, she wears multiple hats, you know, uh, whether she works for the community, with our own you know community, when she works for the school community, for the home front or for the family, she manages everything so beautifully, multitasking, you know, and, and at the same time, she's there at one call for anyone, for anyone, anywhere. So I think that's the motivating factor for me to keep going and never give up and she also being a teacher when her students mm-hmm. call her and talk to her and i see that passion i'm like yes yeah, that's what i
2: want to achieve so, Teema, i'll just add one more thing here you know we have some students like yeah, i remember this batch that tasneem it was class four that she started a career with and you know mm-hmm. those kids are obviously now they've graduated etc and it's it's so overwhelming you know when those kids send across personal messages so this one of one child who's in the u.s uh, he sent across personally, reached out, you know, during the lockdown, there's another child who was, you know, about to get married and he was very keen, you know, for uh, Tasneem to just see that, okay, you know, this is the girl I'm getting married to. And, you know, miss, I've always, you know, just wanted to just, you know, make you meet her. I think those are the moments which make this entire journey worthwhile, you know. And I think that's something which is probably, I think only the domain of teachers where we have that unique this. Yeah, Tasneem.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. It's so amazing to listen to you, actually. I uh, kept smiling all the time. It's so wonderful to, hear, to listen to inspired teachers who inspire their uh, students and children and uh, are inspired by them, really. And uh, teaching is not only about giving some knowledge, it's also showing your example, yeah? And... Uh, sharing your feelings and uh, your happiness <laughs> yeah, y- your experience with not only about uh, education but uh, generally in, in life it's it's so amazing I think your children are very happy and lucky to have you <laughs> as teachers actually thank you very much and as you call yourself 24-7 couple I think <laughs> you can also meet, uh, we can also say like a 24-7 um, team yeah uh, like you're, because you are separated but together at the same time yes yeah? so you're doing a uh, similar job and together so let's talk about some about values and and human qualities which are important for a team work can you please speak on that topic and I think uh, it's time to turn uh, to 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 be the first
3: great thank you and thank you for being so patiently listening to us because we can go on and on you know I mean this is something which we are passionate about so we can go on but coming back to your question Tanya thank you for this question I think um as a couple, when we work together, firstly we uh, keep in mind that we're very professional in our approach. It's not that we take each other for granted. I just can't say, "Hey, Hussein, uh, you know, I've not done this; you do it for me." I know my domain; he knows his. You know, so when he looks after, he looks after the entire section, and I'm just a part of that. I am re- responsible. I am supposed to report. I will do that. That's required, and we lead by example. So that's very important. So our entire team knows that. We're friends at the same time. We have family at the same time. But when we mean professionalism, it's there for us. So that's what I think that's the most binding factor for all of us. And we're there for one another, whether it's him for me, me for him, And we're there to support when we need help. And he would do that irrespective. And if I was not in that place, if it was somebody else, he would still do that. But in a professional manner, same would be with from my end. So I think keeping that professional approach and not taking each other for granted, that's very, very important. Striking that balance is very, very important. And uh, to respect. I think he's at a position. I need to respect that, you know. I could be wherever we could be together in one staff meeting, but that doesn't mean we don't respect one another, you know, so that is very, very important that respect is very, very important for us. That's something which we always abide by.
0: I absolutely yeah. agree with it. This respect is a basic point for mutual understanding yeah? uh, and for solving any problem that can arise during the mm-hmm. communication. So, do,
2: do you have something to add? Or... Uh, yeah, so Tanya, I think, yeah, the respect is such an important term. And not only, you know, because we're working in the same vocation or in the same school, I think respect between two partners is integral to any relationship uh, flourishing and blossoming, uh, where you're respecting someone for their opinion, their perspective. Uh, you're also treating them as equal. So between me and Tasneem, in fact, I think uh, in a lot of ways, Tasneem's trends far outweigh mine. And I've been always, even with you know, with my friends, I've always been very open because, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, just the way she's handling with the online, with my son, and with her work, I think that's something uh, pretty amazing. And where you know, my respect has increased for her manifold, you know, during the last one and a half year. Uh, the other part I think, which is very, very important in any relationship, is you know, having the right kind of balance uh, where you can balance your personal and the professional life uh, very well. So I think for me, those are the two key value systems. Uh, And, uh, you know, just treating each other as, uh, you know, equal. So just because, you know, so uh, we are coming from a culture where, you know, traditionally the viewpoint has been that, you know, the the male is the head of the household, etc. And I strongly disagree with, you know, that kind of an outlook. When we even talk about creative society, I think the idea is how all of us are equal, irrespective of, you know, the color of my skin, you know, the community I belong to, uh, the region I've been born and brought up in. And I think that starts from a relationship at home. If you know I do not treat her as an equal or she doesn't treat me as an equal, uh, I may talk a lot about creative society, but then nothing's going to happen because at home I don't, I'm not living the kind of value system that I would actually want my children etc to you know, imbibe from me. So I think role modeling that is very, very critical and very important.
0: Yeah. Creative society actually starts uh, at home from from ourselves, <laughs> yeah, and then it, it will spread uh, across the whole world. <laughs> yeah, thank you very, very,
1: very, very well put up, uh, Hussein and Tasneem. Respect because we need to respect each other, and then only we can work together and maintain that work life balance. So, so beautifully, you have explained about how you need to role model as a parent, as a husband, as a working professional, and then only you can live by example, and you can lead by example. So let's move ahead. Um, now, I would like to know from you, Hussein. we can start from you. How do you envision the creative society where everyone in the world will be comfortable and happy to live in?
2: Mm-hmm. I think, you know, uh, in education, we always have all these high idealistic thoughts. And, you know, this is that idealistic kind of a question. I think if you just go back to, you know, the forefathers, people who created our constitution, you know, be it in India or in the US, I think the fundamental values which are enshrined in the constitution. I think if we would have just been able to live up to those, we would have had a creative society, because the ideas of equality, uh, you know, uh, having access of opportunities, treating everybody uh, the same way irrespective of their color, caste, or creed. I think uh, if we can just go back to that value system, you know, what our forefathers, you know, when they, you know, have drafted the constitution. I think if we just live up to those ideas, we have a creative society so we don't need to really reinvent the wheel i think those guys were really visionaries at that point in time when they created those kind of documents and you know the kind of ideals and value systems sadly along the way we have consumerism you have greed and you know various uh, things which have taken over and obviously you know somewhere down the line all of us and i think it's the collective ecosystems failure where we've not been able to really live up so uh, live up to those ideals like in india i'll give you an example in america you have something uh, where uh, you know you have like a reservation uh, uh, in India also you have that where the idea is how can I provide opportunities to children who are from disadvantaged backgrounds. It's been so many years since independence and we still have those individuals, those families languishing in poverty. which means that somewhere along the line we've still not been able to uh, in concept it's such a great idea it's called affirmative action in the US also where you know certain college seats are reserved for kids from underprivileged background but why is it that Today, after so many years, we still need it. So, you know, my creative society or the way I would envision it is where everyone has equal opportunities. And I think the national education policy in India is a step in the right direction because it will allow everyone. Like, you know, today I and Tasneem are belonging to an international school. Now, sadly, an in international school, we are only catering to a very small percentage of population kids who can really afford that kind of education because there are a lot of elements which make that education very expensive. But with the NEP coming in, the National Education Policy, the acronym is NEP, it's going to democratize education, it's going to ensure equality of access. Vocation education is going to get a big shot in the arm. Not everyone needs to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. There are so many vocations today. Uh, you know, where people could really do well and uplift not only themselves, but their entire community. So that's, you know, some of my thoughts in terms of, you know, how I would envision a creative society.
1: So Tasneem, would you like to add your perspective to it?
3: Uh, sure. Uh, just oh, a couple of things. Uh, for us, uh, Hussain has spoken a lot about the education sector and you know education forefront. I would also like to add uh, somewhere about values. Yes, the NEP talks about values and life skills, but... As again, the international schools are doing it, but not everyone is still equipped with that. So I think emphasis on values, mindfulness, you know, that is the key for at least what I think uh, to have that creative society, what we are dreaming of, you know, where even if a child has fallen, is able to cope and write. We're teaching them those skills that it's okay that failure is a stepping stone to success. But you know, for us, we are so mark centric at times. No, that um, that that doesn't happen with them. You know, we're so focused with the marks. But again, I'm talking about the educator uh, part. But that is something we need to move away from. We need to provide them opportunities for you know imbibing values and I think that is the key so if I have to sum it up you know um, an ideal creative society while Hussein was just talking I just thought of this acronym um, where C stands for collaborate uh, R is uh, respect for each other uh, very very crucial and important E where we each one teach one we follow that program where you know even um, we have mates coming we have our drivers we have our building watchmen. we're all going out there to help each and everyone get that quality education that's important. We have an attitude. The A stands for uh, an attitude of gratitude. We, I think that's again key. We have to be grateful and tolerance. Uh, you know, that's again, the need of the hour. I stands for innovation. We need to innovate, you know, that's very, very important again, because coming up with new ideas, opportunities, how this whole creative society has come up and a new innovation in itself. So that's why we need to keep innovating and providing those opportunities. Um, We would stand for, you know, the values that we imbibe within our students or within our children at a very, very young age, which are then nurtured. And the last thing would be E that is, you know, enrich lives very very important so that would be an ideal creative society for me
0: yeah wonderful thank you very much for sharing your views on the creative society and um, of course when we talk about the creative society we must mention and discuss The eight foundations, the pillars of the creative society, and some of them you have mentioned actually, yeah, and uh, because they are really uh, like necessities, needs of all people, and we all long for uh, an equal world, yeah, equality and uh, good education for everybody, uh, knowledge and uh, openness of information and everything. So of course they are basics of the creative society. And before we discuss them, let's a short video about uh, how they were formed and uh, some these eight foundations are also mentioned. And I would like to say that uh, this uh, short video is from the conference which took place on the 20th of March 2021, What the prophets dreamed of. Let's watch it.
4: The biggest social polling in our entire history of civilization has been conducted during the last 10 years by people around the world. 180 countries, millions of people of different social statuses, denominations, nationalities talk about the society in which they want to live in. And this is a creative society based on the answers of the people from around the world, eight foundations of creative society were established. A society where all people can live in happiness, peace, and prosperity. This is that very society that our prophets bequeathed to us. All prophets talked about the value of life, freedom, honesty. Common human values, equality before God, mutual respect, and unification of people about love for each other. They talked about the common truth and about the world which we can create. The prophet said, there will be a time when we are able to build a creative society. We are honored to live in the time which the Prophets talked about when everyone is chosen.
0: So Hussein, let's start with you, please. Yes, it's really very inspiring video, yeah, when everyone is chosen.
2: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I think some of the points which were made, I think that one point specifically which spoke about, you know, equality before God, And I think that's something which is such a need of the hour, especially in a country like India, we are a melting pot of different religions. But sadly, sometimes, you know, that's also what is used to, you know, divide all of us, uh, because somewhere everyone has put, uh, you know, religion before everything else. And I think, uh, and the other slide, which, you know, spoke about all the religions from Taoism to Islam, Hinduism, I think ultimately all of them, uh, you know, propagate the same philosophy. It's about humanity first, right? And I think if we just go back to those core ideas of every religion, uh, we would actually be able to achieve so much more and get closer to our aim of, uh, you know, what the prophet dreamed of. Uh, in terms of, you know, a few other things, I'll just go back to this one example which I do with kids in class. It's a, it's a disturbing article where we look at nature and nurture and, you know, what kind of influence, for example, today our thought process, is it because of the genes that we have inherited from our parents or is it because of the environment simulation? So in America, uh, a seven or eight year old girl was asked, uh, you know, uh, CNN was doing an interview and she said, you know, I do not like the way I look. It was an African-American girl. And she said, the color of my skin is nasty. Now, imagine, you know, we are living in a society where an eight year old, beautiful African-American girl is saying, I do not like the way I look. And that itself goes to show everything that is wrong with you know our society today, and why we need to all endeavor towards moving to something where humanity is valued, and we can overlook and look beyond you know the religion, the color, etc., or the caste or creed of people. So for me, I think that's that's so important, and that message resonated so well in this video also, which was showcased, where you know aspects about safety, equality, valuing human life. Even if you look at, I'm sure all of you all know, you know, India is going through the worst uh, second wave of COVID right now. Today, human life today has just become a statistic. We've forgotten, you know, what is the person who's died? There is a family, there is a wife, there is a grieving mother, there, is a, there are children. But what we are talking about, okay, it's two and a half lakh cases, 1500 dead. So sadly today, what has human life reduced to? It's just a number. And that's where I think uh, this entire initiative is so much the need of the art. So, you know, those are just some thoughts from my end. Thank you.
0: Absolutely, yes human life is the highest value and uh, we should pre- yeah, value our life and life of people around. And it's so sad yeah, that we have so many deaths nowadays that it becomes like a common thing, but nobody uh, actually yeah, thinks. Exactly. And we don't behind, even yeah, think it?
2: about it. Like, you know, even uh, it just becomes a news item. Even if someone loses, you know, if there is an accident, it's just a news item. You will quickly turn over the page without, you know, even thinking. So somewhere even empathy is, you know, lost on us.
0: Yeah, it's just, just so unfortunate, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Tasnim, will you also sa- uh, share your opinion about the Creative Society? Sure. And also, will uh, the implementation of these eight rules eliminate violence, crises that we have nowadays? And uh, will it help us to, to build uh, this beautiful world that we all, not only our prophets, but we also dream and long for, actually?
3: Absolutely. I think the video um, spoke a lot. Like we always say a picture speaks a thousand words. So I think there was so much that we learned and understood in this one little video. And I think the eight foundations are integral, you know, towards developing a creative society. The first and most important thing that I feel is the change in mindset. So at this point in time, one quote comes to mind, um, you know, uh, I cannot recollect exactly who has said that. But the, the, the gist of it is that there's an old man who states erasers are made for those who make mistakes. But the youth replies, erasers are made for those who want to rectify and are willing to rectify this mistake so it 's all about a change in mindset, and if that happens, where we want to look at a growth mindset that 's what we want to do within our students, within teachers, within us as individuals, I think this world is definitely going to be a better place to live. We need that growth mindset, we need to all work towards that common goal and One thing that I always tell my students and I tell them always and all the time that there is no other religion than kindness for us let 's not be divided with all of that, but religion we let 's talk about just kindness. We have kindness ambassadors, we have a kindness squad, let's do all of that. We have a kindness club in fact initiated at our school, where we just reach out and make everybody feel special. Equality as what we have rightly spoken about, equality. I think that's when we all get to feel equal. We are all appreciated for every small thing that we do. I just tell them, imagine if that garbage you know, collector has not come in today. What would be the case scenario in our city? Their job is equally important. He's also professional in his own way. He's doing something. We are all there together. We are all working together. Just because he's doing something which is very low-key, that doesn't make him less acceptable. Yeah. So these are the kind of things I think kindness all along would definitely um, help and make this world definitely more creative and this creative society uh, a definitely better place to live in. Yeah. So kindness is the key. So then nutshell, if I have to just say we do a development of personality, you know, and value in human life, humanity. I think along with safety of every individual, um, subtraction of power, let's not have this power struggle every time, Uh, will definitely lead to a creative society. That's my thought on it.
1: So that was beautiful Tasneem and um, the way you have envisioned the creative society, I think this is the way you are inculcating these values in your students also because we could see that whether you are putting forward your perspective or Hussain is putting forward his perspective, we can see it's not just that you are saying it for the sake of saying, but your entire body, your entire uh, body language, your movement, your gesture, everything resonates with what you are telling. So it is coming right from the heart. And that is what actually matters. And that is what makes you a true educator. So uh, Tasneem, now let's start from you this time. So could you please also uh, share how you see education in creative society, though you have covered a lot of points, but when we talk about creative society, when we talk about equality, when we talk about Human ve- human life being the highest value. So, how do you see education in creative society where every person has the best conditions for all the development of their skills, their talents? How do you envision it?
3: So, um, that's that's a wonderful question, ma'am. I'm so glad you asked me this. Uh, firstly, for us, I think all of us I and mean, even you would agree that education has to be stress-free there is we have to have that love for learning you know when we talk about uh, yesterday, as we talk about gandhiji's principles you know of uh, learn by doing all right uh, or we talk about the guru shishya parampara there is uh, that whole element of exploration wondering making mistakes and learning from that right i don't deny that it doesn't happen it is happening Especially in the early and the primary years, we give those opportunities to inquire, explore, especially in the international school, we do all of that. But the moment, you know, they come into middle school, six to six, seven, eight, or once it's high school, it's a different scenario only, and I'm sure Hussain will agree, we are all focused only on marks. It's only a rat race. We have to, I see kids going from this tuition to the other, one after the other. It's crazy. I just see there's no time for themselves to hone their skills. So for us as educators, I think most important is providing opportunities where students can hold every skill that they're good at and acknowledging it. I think that is more important afterwards. So at this point, I would like to also share there was this one video which was going viral on social media where, you know, you had these children like teenagers, they were in the center of, uh, you know, center courtyard of a shopping mall and they was, you know, having different products like. One had a guitar one had some piano one had some football cricket bat gloves etc and they were all selling it so you know customers walked up to them and asked them that you know what would the cost be and they said it's free and the customers of course didn't believe that and they said no our parents don't believe that uh, you know we can get into this field we should not be being cricket or we should not be playing the sport or we should not play the piano i should not become an artist because for them it's all about maths so we're in this whole drag race. And I remember one lady went up and told that child, go back and tell your mother that you're going to be the best uh, you know, football player or the best cricketer. And I'm sure about it because I can see the passion. So they had all their products. It was we, I had tears in my eyes. I said, where are we going? And secondly, what is happening is that we tell our children to be socially, you know, like we imbibe social skills with them, uplifting their friends, being together, accepting responsibility, etc. But what happens the moment an exam comes up, we give them like, okay, tomorrow you have an exam. How many of us really go and help out that one child who needs help at that point in time? Because at, that, at the end, we just want our marks to be higher. And somewhere I feel we are only confusing them because everything is about marks. We have never judged them on, today, how many people did you make them smile? You know, Today, what values did you imbibe? Or who did you really help today? Have we ever assessed them on that? We've never done that. We've always assessed them on those marks and that textbook, you know. So for us, I think uh, that's the change, the biggest change that we need to make. And, And that's why I just say that giving opportunities for skill development, honing their skills, and most importantly, appreciating that very very important and that's where I foresee and that's why we've got these clubs going in our school and we're moving them away ma'am you know the SDGs that uh, you know the global sustainable development summit which was there it was not a part of our syllabus it was not a part of so many things but we gave opportunities for our children though they had exams at that point time but go take the leap jump into it do something different right and they excel so each child who spoke from all the students who were there each one had such a wonderful perspective to share So we gave them the opportunities. It was not about maths. It was not about bookish knowledge. It was going, exploring, researching, and then presenting. The confidence that came about, I think that was key. And thank you for providing such opportunities. So that is important for us, where the opportunity is given.
1: The so children are born genius. Somewhere down the line, I think we just put them in the box, where it's where only marks are important and not life. So, Hussein, uh, how uh, I would like to know your view on your perspective about how the best conditions can be developed for children so that their skills and their talents
2: can be sharpened. Yeah, I think you know if uh, Dr. Seema, if we go back to you know the discussion that we had on Marx-centric and life-centric education a few days back, and I think you know all those thoughts come in which all the speakers had spoken about on that platform, where uh, you know sadly we've become such a Marx-oriented society where uh, today if a child doesn't get a 95 or a 100, that's considered abnormal and that child is considered a failure. So I think when we talk about creating the right kind of conditions uh, for children, it's very important that we focus on competencies, focus on learning outcomes. And I go back to the national education policy. And I'm so impressed with that document. You'll see me referring to it time and again, because it talks about uh, some of these elements, uh, groundbreaking elements as far as India is concerned, you know, where I'm saying that, okay, let's look at assessing competencies of every child, not assessing children against each other. In India, we have this sad thing about ranking, where you rank a child first and you rank a child 40th if there are 40 kids in the class. And I think that, that is such a harmful practice because obviously no child wants to stand last. But why do we have a ranking? Every child is unique. Like you said, You know, every child has a genius. It's the idea of education should be how can I... Find the genius and nurture and hone the genius so that the child can be successful why should i rank students because probably the child may not be good in english and math but probably his skills lies elsewhere like you know Tasneem mentioned so i think you are also we have like you know we have uh, i think it was the fourth uh, uh, this king of bhutan who to- coined the term gross national happiness so why can't we also look at you know happiness as a quotient in school we always talk about iq okay and some people are talking about eq So you know there is now some talk amongst a lot of educators about happiness quotient, of you know creating an environment where uh, you know you try to create an environment where children are really happy. They're looking forward to come to school. Like Tasneem said, I think in the lower classes it really happens. With the older classes, it's more about you know just getting the marks and getting into the university. And I think somewhere that also needs to change. The university is not necessary for success. There are tons of examples where children have succeeded without going to, so probably a vocation. You know, if, I, if you teach them entrepreneurship skills or their mindset, you know, kids can do very well even after class 12 because higher education is expensive. So there may be lack of resources, but it's not a mandate for everyone to do it. But sadly, currently, the way our ecosystem is developed, it's that everyone needs to do this. So it's just one size fits all kind of an approach. And that's where I think that's where we are going wrong. So for me, I think that's an important change, which needs to come in across the education sector from K-12 all the way up to higher ed. Uh, the other part is if we could also look at, you know, a change in the assessment system, where we move away from an examination. Like, you know, I know a lot of schools in the West have done project based learning very successfully. Why can't we have children doing that across the school? School is for children to learn skills. You know, like Tasneem spoke about critical thinking, creativity, collaboration. I can't teach collaboration by having a chapter in a textbook. Collaboration would be taught when children are working together with each other. So having, you know, that kind of an ecosystem which promotes that. And it's it's obviously, it's an idealistic thought because a lot of things need to change. But I think what we are doing here, it's nothing short of, you know, like a miracle of, you know, so many people and so many different views and everyone agreeing that, you know, there is a need for a change. It all starts with one person. So why can't we be the change? Thank you.
0: Thank you very much for your answers. I completely agree with you. And I remember one phrase of all the person who who is involved in culture. And he also said about genius uh, children that all children are born geniuses and we people make, ordinary human ordinary people out of them yeah and i think this uh system of evaluation plays uh, a, very, a very important part in in this transformation of geniuses in, into ordinary people and also this um expectation of evaluation yeah and uh, they also start to judge people around yeah so and we lose this uh, um like authenticity yeah so n- natural attitude to each other and i completely agree that and actually you are a bright example I think of uh, what we should do right? yeah again to inspire by, your, by ourselves yeah with our um, uh, uh, like how to say it i't I know like um, involvement into the process yeah that, that you uh, want to develop yourself, yeah you want to make them interested and so on, and it's uh, I think much more precious and much more important than uh, the idea that they will get a particular grade for a particular
2: activity. Absolutely. And And just to add on to what you're also saying, I think having, you know, like one thing which we are really propagating in all the schools that we're doing is having a proper guidance counseling program, you know, telling parents, I think parents need to be educated today because parents are still thinking of careers 20 years ago. Parents try to live their aspirations through their child, but their child is a different individual. So if you just have the right kind of a career program where children are exposed to so many opportunities. So I have a child right now who's actually doing photography and you uh, know, uh, probably the parent would have never accepted, but then after multiple sessions with the counselor, this is where the skills lie and the child is doing very well. And I'm sure every school has tons of examples the idea is how can we can amplify those voices so that parents also start thinking of, you know, there are so many different vocations. And a MBA or a master's degree is not the only ticket to success. There are so many tickets to success. It's just about the child finding. i have done my MBA and I think I've wasted so much of my time, so much of my parents' money because today what I'm doing is nothing, uh, you know, what I've actually been educated for. I'm doing something entirely different. So, I many times often give my example also to kids, because I think sometimes that helps you to connect and relate also
0: thank yeah. you and it's again about equality, yeah that children they they are also humans, not our possessions, or something like this, so we are all humans and have the right to choose and to choose our own path and our own way of life. Thank you very much for this edition. It's also very precious. I think we all have to be educated. Yeah, and uh, first of all, ourselves. (laughs) And then it will come as a natural consequence to people around. Thank you. So, and now we would like to show you another video from another conference that we had on the 20th of December 2020 uh, from the online conference that was called Creative Society. United we can. Let's watch it. Elephants are habituated to a rope since childhood. First, they are tied to a tree, and an elephant calf, trying to escape, understands that the rope is many times stronger than him. Then, already being a grown-up elephant, he no longer even makes attempts to become free, because he understands that the rope, which is stronger than him, will win anyway. And when already a human who… Well, the strength of a human and an elephant is incomparable, that an elephant still submits to a human and follows him with his head down is the same in human society.
4: The whole point, imagine, an ordinary human, skinny and little, is leading an elephant on a rope. Why? Because the elephant believes that the rope is holding him. Friends, we have the same thing.
0: Nothing is holding us except our imaginary rope. And I would simply like to say, friends, Let us stop being stupid elephants and let's become humans. Uh, Tansim, and I would like to address the, this question connected with this uh, cartoon to you firstly. So, uh, and actually we already mentioned about the value of life and that today is uh, not very valuable. Yeah, so, and uh, so how can we get, how can we bring this understanding that each person is valuable and every human is a fundamental unit of the society? so that uh, we, because in this consumer format, our life is underestimated. As uh, Hussein correctly said, it's just a number in in the statistics nowadays. So uh, what what can we do to bring this understanding of the value of life?
3: I think it was firstly just um, a short video, but so very, very impactful. And, you know, I think these kind of videos are so powerful in reaching out to an audience, you know, because sometimes when we just talk and say something may not reach out as much as a visual good. All right. So I think as educators, our first thing is what is a society first thing? We we need to tell our children that what it is a group of people, right? Uh, And individuals who come together with the same thoughts, with the same ideologies, same culture, uh, religion, all of that. But as I said earlier, also, if we, Keep that one thing going, which is common that we let's have only compassion and kindness to start off with as that one key factor that binds all of us together. So, automatically, we are all one. There is no you are lower than me, you are higher than me. It's nothing like that. All right, so that's the first thing that we need to tell our students that that's the binding factor that we all have, and that's why we are here together. So, first and foremost, we start off with that. I'll give you a small example. So, you know. I get my kids to do a lot of group work. They get together in groups of three, four, five. And I tell them that each one of you is important. One child says, miss, I don't know how to draw. What will I do in this group? Miss, what am I going to do? So I said, okay, you can become the timekeeper. And then at the end, I asked them, what actually helped you to really finish your task on time? And then when they told me it was this child who kept a track of the time, I said, see, you were writing, you were drawing, you presented. But that child who was still quiet, and kept a track of the time was equally important. So at the same way, all of us in this school community, in your class community, we are all important. Let's start small. Let's not talk about two big aspirations that we have. Small, let's go where they can connect with themselves, identify with that, and then move ahead. And I do the same thing with teachers as well. I tell them to see that how we as teachers are a group of people, individuals, getting together for the same common goal is to enrich your lives, right? We have nothing other thing to do, but just to enrich your life. So exactly you do the same way and let's keep this common goal going that this is what we want to do. We want to be kind. We want to be recognized as the kindness ambassadors. That's one common goal. And then you see, then I turn around and ask them, so today, what have you done? You know, can you turn around and tell me that what have you done that has benefited your society, your class community or your school society or your home society? We are all living together somewhere or the other. So what have you done? And that really gets them thinking. And then they come up with such wonderful, even if they've not done it, they start implementing it because they know Miss is going to ask me tomorrow, what am I going to do? Or how am I implementing this kindness thing, which is binding us all together? So I think these small, small things really, really work. In fact, and of course, there has to be progression. We have to take it up on a daily basis. Each one talks the same language. We all do that. And like I gave an example of the you know rack picker or the uh, you know garbage collector, let's not look upon, look down upon them. Each one is worthy of something that they are doing. We need to appreciate. How many of us would make actually a kind thank you card and give it to them, right? So let's go and do that. So I'm teaching my son to do that. He's gone peak covid times, He's gone down whenever I used to take him down to the bus stop and we used, there was this garbage collector who's always passed by and he's always wonder, "Mama, what are the clothes they're wearing? How does he look? He may be stinking, smelling. I said, but if he was not there, imagine how this world would be. And I showed him some visuals of what would happen if he was not there. And the next day, I think those picture provocations work better than my uh, yarn that I gave him of you know, what this garbage collector does. Mm-hmm. And he made a card on his own and he went and told him and gave him and said dhanyavad. He said, thank you in Hindi to him. He asked him, well, what do you say? Thank you. How do you say thank you in Hindi? So he went and said Dhanyavad to him. And I think that's where I know I made that little difference in him. And he started telling everybody. And he was so proud to go and tell everybody in the society. So said, fine, if you're doing something nice and you want to tell people who that one person may also get motivated, why not? It's not showing off. It's about extending your passion of doing something where you felt happy and then telling everybody else, come on, you can also do it. So I think that's, that's the key.
0: Yeah, one wonderful exa- example, actually, Practical, practical do, doing just practically. Yeah, it's much more, it's much much more understandable. So Hussein, do you have something to add on the point? Yes, about so it?
2: I think Tanya, that's why you know when I said you know that I respect Tasneem a lot because it's all these small tidbits of life skills that she keeps giving uh, you know our little one that has made him you know what he is today. Uh, just to uh, you know, just to add further to what she's saying, I think two things, one is uh, I think community service or community outreach programs are very, very important across schools, whichever kind of a school, you know, uh, it's a private, it's a public school, uh, it's international or national curriculum because I think children in developing a sense of empathy, so you know what the example Tasneem also gave, the idea was that you know, Aran was able to imagine and visualize a world where you know, if certain individuals are not there or community helpers are not there, what would happen? So the idea is, we need to develop that compassion, that empathy in children. And I think that's somewhere uh, through these community service programs you can develop. The other is, uh, you know, like uh, in Cambridge, you have a subject called Global Perspectives. And I think even if a school is not doing that, I think if you just look at some of their themes, it's real. They're really relevant towards creating, uh, you know, this kind of a. Uh, creative society and an idealistic society. If I even look at the eight pillars, so I'll give an example. Last year, I had a group of students where uh, you know they were looking at LGBTQ community. Now, LGBTQ in India is still a very taboo subject. It's not something which is discussed in open. And these three children went on their own. They met. Uh, uh, there is a gentleman called Danny, and he's you know one of the torchbearers of that movement in Mumbai. They interviewed him, asked him, you know, the kind of issues that he faces, uh, his employment. They asked him a lot of things. The interview lasted for almost two hours. And then they did an entire presentation for our uh, senior school teaching and uh, student community to tell them a lot about LGBT to, you know, enhance awareness. Because all of us are really happy in our cocoons. But, you know, when these kids spoke and, you know, the kind of revelations and the kind of things that, you know, they learned, it was really amazing. So I think through that project, they were able to learn so much about, you know, a particular group of people. Again, when we say, you know, respect every individual, One's sexual orientation should not have anything to do with, you know, why I should look down upon a person. That's something which is his personal choice or her personal choice. But I should, he's also a creation of God, just like you and me. And I think that message came out so strongly when these three kids spoke about it and their perspective had changed. I could see their perspective because a couple of them come from very traditional Orthodox families when they spoke and they also spoke about this changing mindset. So I think if we give children these kind of opportunities where they can go in the real world, interview people, investigate issues, which are issues, real issues that we are facing. Suddenly we start, uh, you know, developing compassion and empathy in them. Yeah, that's it from me.
1: Hussein, uh, completely agree because the kind of examples that you have given, wherein the children have learned by doing, I think that is what really matters. So, if I have to put it in words, I always say that when we look around, we find that the entire world is ready to collaborate. Are we ready for that? And when we look beyond, we see creativity is there everywhere. All we have to do is we have to look beyond what our usual vision sees. So we have to do that. And also we need to look within what uh, Taslim said. But once we start looking within the introspect on various situations, various aspects, and then we have to look deep because critical thinking is here to stay. And we have to make our children master in the skin. So both of you have put up your perspectives so beautifully. Now moving uh, forward to another section of our uh, discussion. Now Creative Society uh, initiates... Uh, a very very noble um, i will say aspect wherein we want to bring everyone to this platform so that we can hear everybody's voice so the initiative creative society travels across the world this entire initiative and people inform each other about the project that it is already taking place and we use the theory of six handshakes that means that uh, we know any other person in less than five contexts whom you would like to invite for your next conversation and to hear his or her vision of creative society. So Tasneem, uh, this time we can give it ladies first.
3: Um, so I think uh, a, a psychologist, uh, I would definitely want uh, his or her perspective coming in. So there's this lady called Ashna and uh, it'd be great to have her because she works with children, adults of course, but i think their perspective you know right now to help us build this creative society because they hear so much you know they hear that actual dark side of children adults etc what are they going to especially keeping this pandemic in mind you know and when we talk about collaboration we talk about you know equality we talk about humanity at that point in time. So where are those missing gaps or loopholes where they are where she's putting it together for them, you know, making them feel a part of the society. Because right now these children sometimes are not feeling a part of the society that they are in or a community that they are in for whatever reasons. They're not faring well emotionally, they're disturbed, so many aspects. So I think their perspective, their understanding and how they can help shape this, I think that would be great.
1: So then whom would you would like to call?
2: So I, you know, I always believe, you know, the youth and the future of our country are our kids. So I would also love for, uh, you know, uh, a child or a couple of kids to be called on, you know, to this platform, because we are the ones who are going to be the torch bearers. And you know, if we have uh, these eight pillars and how these can be actually materialized, how these can be, this vision can be lived, it will be these children who will have to carry the mantle forward from, you know, all the volunteers. So we have a, st- a class 10 student called Aisha. So, She would be like a perfect candidate, uh, you know, to be called uh, to share her perspective from a student point of view. So for my take, it will be a student.
0: Uh, But we invite only students or people over 18 (laughs) to conversations. Okay, so
2: probably then we could look at, you know, uh, having, uh, you know, one of our ex-students, alumni, children who have graduated university or probably studying in college right now who are all above 18. Mm-hmm. so i have a, a student called somia you know the one who i said you know at the beginning i mentioned he's has really inspired me he's taught me a lot of things as a as a teacher so i think he would be a perfect candidate though he's in the us right now but he will be more than happy and he would be someone really nice because uh, i know he has uh, so for a youngster you know the kind of thoughts he has because uh, i teach a subject called critical thinking and uh, in class 11 and 12 and uh, we've discussed and deliberated mm-hmm the Indian political landscape, uh, the Indian education system, the kind of issues which plague. And his responses are so measured. They're so mature for his age. So I think it'll be really nice to have someone like that sharing uh, you know, his perspectives on this platform.
0: Okay, wonderful. Thank you very much. And uh, I would also like to address to all of you. Uh, you also can join our project very easily. It's very simple to do. You just have to visit our website, com. And on that web- website, you will find this red button. Join us and complete this simple form, and you can become a part of this great global and international project of uh, inspired creative, happy and kind people who are building this creative society together. Actually I think that we are in in this um, project, we are all already united and we are are living in this creative society already here and I would like to say that it's a completely wonderful (laughs) feeling and it's absolutely amazing. And I would also like to say that it's very important to do because now we are on the first information stage when our task that's why actually we're asking you to invite other people to our conversations because our task is to talk and to tell inform about this opportunity every person on earth that is the aim that we have and that is why if you already are aware of this project and uh, support it please um, feel free to complete this form and uh, uh, express your vision and support of, of this initiative thank you very
1: much So um, coming to the concluding question, um, uh, Hussein, we'll start from you. I mean, what message do you wish to give to young couples in the time of uncertainty? What is your secret of happiness? Because inspiration we have spoken a lot about. Uh, Mm -hmm. I want your, uh, your secret of success and happiness as a couple and young couple. And what is your message for the entire audience?
2: So thank you, Seema, You know for the for emphasizing the young word twice. You know when you are teaching children who are 16, 17, it's very easy to feel really old. So it's nice to feel young once in a while, also. But I think our secret has been, uh, you know, I'll just go back to that balance uh, in terms of, you know, uh, especially I think the last one and a half year has been so difficult for all of us. Uh, how do you keep happy? How do you keep that momentum going? And mm-hmm. I've started something called uh, Papa's Pathshala. So I actually was not on social media. Uh, just when the pandemic started and you know when countries started locking down economies uh, i thought of you know how can i engage with my child i wanted to just develop a bond and do some interesting things develop life skills you know things that we've spoken about during the last 30 40 minutes and i started this platform and the idea was just to give other parents of uh, you know some ideas because often i've seen uh, that you know there are not too many platforms where fathers can actually find more information so my idea was to create this and then motivate encourage my friends and extended family members to, you know, do things with their kids. And it was really heartening because I used to do an activity, I used to post it and then seven, eight of my friends used to try that same activity with the kids. And I think that was a secret of happiness for me and Tasneem because uh, in the evenings I used to take over, we used to do these activities and Tasneem could, you know, continue with our other work. And the morning with the online classes, you know, she used to be, uh, spend time with my son. So that balance that both of us are equally responsible for my son's upbringing and how we can it out, I think that was the key to happiness during this time, that we both share an equal responsibility in bringing up our little one. So it's not only because she's given birth, it's not only her duty, it's mine as much. So that is, you know, my final thought for this evening.
1: That's beautiful. And that's a live example of equality. And uh, definitely why to say that we need to empower women, I think we need to empower human. And that is what uh, it, it comes to. So Tasneem, now again, I'll emphasize on the word as young couple, what is uh, your last message or the parting message for all the audience about your secret of happiness?
3: Uh, so, thank you very much. I mean, I'm so happy to say this today, but uh, Hussein rightly has said shared responsibility, that's one aspect, but I think appreciation many a times we forget to appreciate each other for the smallest of things that you are doing, you know. So I think that has really kept us going. And everybody loves appreciation, right? From a seven-year-old to a 70-year-old for the smallest things that you do. So appreciation is the key for us and to stay happy. And I think that's what our child is also saying, how we appreciate him. We appreciate each other as a family. So if Hussain is doing something and you know he cannot give time to my little one, I explain to him and I tell him to appreciate dad's work timing because he is working for us so that we can get all the comforts and luxuries that we want and we demand from him. You know, so instead of adding on to his, thing that, oh, you know, Papa's not playing with me or he's busy all the time. So I think that is very, very important So we appreciate one another. We respect that. And uh, that's the balance that we're striking and uh, just enjoying every bit. That's, that's, that's what we're doing. <laughs>
0: Thank you very much Tasnim and for, for your answers, for your positive, positivity, for your good mood, for, for your inspiration and for your answers to this question and understanding of the creative society. It was really a great pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you. And thank you Simo, for hosting this broadcast together with me. I got a great pleasure. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Tanya. Thank you, Hussein. Thank you, Tasneem. It was Thank such you so much. empowering and learning experience, uh, listening to all of you. Yeah,
3: Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Seema uh, and Tanya, This is something for both of you. Um, this is something I have penned right now. And I always like to end with a small poem. So I have something for both of you all and for the creative society, which I just want to share if I may uh, quickly, it won't take too long. So a creative society is full of love and positivity. There is compassion and care where no one feels low or in despair. A creative society uplifts the soul where people laugh and rejoice and have a common goal. A creative society reduces any kind of stress and anxiety through simple gestures of being kind where individuals as a family unite and combine. A creative society shares the planet with all living things equally and uh, where all lives matter and all around joy and cheer individuals scatter. In a creative society, there is one simple rule to follow. Multiply the joy and subtract the sorrow. Children are acknowledged and accepted, and their values, thoughts, and ideas are always appreciated. Children are provided with opportunities galore to self-learn, discover, wonder, and explore. And to conclude, in a creative society, it's not just about subjects like math, science, or history. It's about values and skills that are imbibed in still
1: just wanted to dedicate this to you. Wow! Us. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you beautiful. very much. Beautiful, beautiful. That I think yeah. that was one of the loveliest concluding notes.
0: Absolutely. You. Yeah, I think we will publish it some somewhere on our site. Maybe if you if you don't mind, it's really very. Uh, very beautiful. Thank you. And also, uh, we would like to finish our broadcast today with uh, reviews of, from the conference that uh, took place on the 20th of March, 2021, that we have been talking about the whole hour today. What the uh, prophets dreamed of—it's really a great example of how people can unite. To, uh, it's it depends only on us we can if we really want it and we have the goal why to do it so let's watch it
4: I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so grateful to be part of this Creative Society program. Thank you guys. Let's keep doing this until we unite mankind. It was a humbling and exciting and inspiring experience to of us. We want this world to be a better place. We want to leave this world better than when we found it. We want... I'm honored and I'm flattered um, just getting to know the idea of this conference and just watching how diverse it was. and you know, understanding that how God is love and how we can love each other equally. In total, I have heard, I've listened, and I've understood from the people around the world the way people actually pour their heart out. And it was so phenomenal to see people from different religions but talking almost the same language.
1: I'm totally inspired and motivated by what I received from the conference on the power of love and the role each one of us plays to build it.
4: This is a very beautiful moment I'm sharing that all volunteers all across the globe, we want happiness, we want peaceful life, we want togetherness, we want a life where everyone should live in peace and truth purified from false, people will be able to understand their religion truly, who watched it and accepted the truth. I think we will succeed in everything. I believe it. The importance of the Creative Society as I understand it, is to implement all the good qualities of a person. Such freedom of spirit, such unification of people,
0: such an example of what people who feel the need and strive for the freedom can
1: do, feel the need for this unification, because they understand that these are such times that we simply have no other option. And besides, it is a need, the need of every heart.